DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. It's time to welcome in our basketball insider. Steve Cleveland joins us now. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Travis. So... Some Jazz fans, about 70% of them, are quite confident that the Jazz are going to win and go up 3-1. The rest of the folks are worried that the tide is turned, the Clippers are about to tie it up 2-2, they're probably obsessing about what happened in the series with the Mavericks. How much confidence do you have in the confidence the Clippers showed in Game 3? Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think actually the Clippers win tonight. Um, I, I think that I mean, there would be adjustments in teams I think the, how they handled Mitchell out of ball screens and the fact that Batum uh, at home is better than he is on the road. And, they, you know, they're just – they obviously played really well the other night. And, uh, and the Jazz are still really difficult to put away. The Clippers did so by shooting, you know, astronomical numbers, 52% field goal, 52 from three-point. But I, I think that this is – I'm still not convinced that Donovan Mitchell is healthy, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, – I think that if the Clippers get up in this game, uh, that they win this game and they come back. I still believe the Jazz win this thing in, in seven, uh, maybe six, depending. I, I just don't, I'm not sure the Jazz can win at L.A., to be honest with you. Not, not with the confidence they played now. Uh, they've got a little bit of a system going, I think, defensively and how they're going to do things. And, uh, but I, 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 think, I think the Clippers win, and uh, it goes seven and the Jazz win the series. I don't think the Clippers beat the Jazz at, in, in Utah, um, but I do believe this series is going to be a long one. So you know Paul George very well, and he was outspoken about his mental health issues last year. I don't discount that. I've seen firsthand the emotional havoc those things can play on people. Uh, I don't know what was going on in prior years as far as beyond last year, his struggles, but I watch him in this series, particularly watching him the other night, and he really looks at the top of his game. And when he's at the top of his game, man, he is a top 10 player in the league. You see him at the top of his game right now? Yeah, I do. Uh, and, you know, you know, just to speak to, to that, and I mean, he, he got beat up pretty good. And, and, you know, the difference is, you know, 20 years ago, guys probably didn't care a whole lot about that. It didn't matter. We didn't have social media. And these guys are so connect, connected to social media that, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm fearful that you know they're all reading this stuff. And I, I know Paul. Paul's a young man that is a great teammate, and and then you can hear his teammates, the Clippers, say that. I mean, he's close to these guys. They they like him. You know, he's he's a he's a kind person, but he is a sensitive guy. And uh, I think that's the the biggest thing for me. I mean, I pull for Paul because obviously I coached him and I know him, and he, he's a really good human being. And and he gets ripped since the play, since the, the bubble issues last year and other other issues prior to in the playoffs he hasn't played his best and uh it, it's got to be a really good feeling for him to, to kind of have some break i mean he's played good in this series i mean it's not like he hasn't played well he played and not just the, the the last game but he's played well and so i i hope that his head's in the right place and that he can feel good about who he is and play the best he can uh but i i think that it is the best basketball. I, I went. I watched him play in Indiana. I was living in Indiana at that time, and I was I was serving a mission back there. And I went to four or five of his games, and 
I mean, he played, he played good in Indiana. I mean, he was loose and young and, and had a lot of confidence. Uh, they, you know, obviously Indiana didn't have great success in the playoffs, but it's still, uh, it, it, it was, it, it just didn't seem to be that much attention paid to him you know, as a younger player. And of course, you know, he, he got hurt and who knows how you recover from those things. But I, I know this, he is, he is a great human being. And uh, so I want him to succeed. I want him to, to play well and have a good, I mean, that's just how I feel. I mean, he's kind of like part of my family, but at the end of the day, he, he's got to play that well for the Clippers to, to beat the Jazz. Both he and uh, Kawhi have to play at a very, very high level. And if you look at this game, you know, the difference is that Batum goes for 17, you know. that That's huge. Beverly and Mann score 14 between them. And well, actually 20 points off the bench. All of those things have to happen, whether it be at home or on the road, for the Clippers to beat the Jazz. Because the Jazz are just so potent offensively and, you know, you talk about it a lot more there than, than I'm thinking about it, but you know, not having Conley is, is a major issue, and if, it doesn't look like he's going to play. But I think he comes back to play the last three games, and two of them are at home with Conley, and Mitchell doesn't have a serious injury. Then, then I think you have to feel like the Jazz have a great opportunity to get to the Western Finals. So PK and I always go round and round about this, and it's a, it's a perfect question to go round and round about, so I don't know if you can settle it or not. But when you see how well the Jazz shoot in Game 2 and win, and you see how well the Clippers shoot in Game 3, how much of that do you put on the opposing defense not contesting shots enough, not playing with enough energy, and how much of that is NBA guys are freakishly talented, and when they get locked in, it doesn't matter how much the shot's contested? Well, I think part of the fact is you're right. I mean, when they get locked in, it, it doesn't matter. The, the, all of these guys are great players, obviously, and even those that don't get to play. You, you see this in games where subs come in and go, well, who is this guy? I don't know this guy. You know, he doesn't get – I've not even heard of him. And he comes in, well, you don't get into the league unless you're a pretty good player to start with, whether you're playing a lot of minutes or not, and guys develop. And, you know, and for, for guys coming off the bench especially uh, when they're at home – and uh, or even on the road, and nobody's kind of paying attention to them. There's not nearly as much pressure on those guys. But I, you know, I, I, I think that because we know they're great and talented, and that they have the ability to make contested shots, um, you know, a lot, a lot of it comes down to schemes. There's no question. I mean, you watch. I don't know if you watched the Phoenix game last night, but uh, obviously Chris Paul was amazing in that game. But man, the defensive schemes <laughs> where they're going under. And, I mean, he had seven or eight, you know, little 15 mid-range shots. There was no one within eight feet of him. And uh, so schemes are important. And I think, you know, I think the Clippers doubled, you know, Donovan Mitchell the other night. They tried to take the ball out of his hands to disrupt him. And that being said, it maybe keeps him from getting 40 instead of, you know, and he gets 30 instead of he gets 40. He's still going to score. But so schemes are important. I think for the Clippers, they have to be aggressive with Donovan Mitchell. They have to throw two people at him. And when they can do that at home, when Bogdanovich and others, uh, you know, don't shoot the ball as well on the road as they do at home. And so those things work. And that same thing, doubling Donovan Mitchell at home, where Ingles and Bogdanovich and Connolly, if he plays, and Royce O'Neal, who's become a pretty good shooter. I, I, I never thought that he would be as good a shooter as he is. But at home, when you do those kind of schemes, it kind of backfires sometimes because guys shoot the ball well in their own gym. But at the end of the day, on the road, they're taking the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands or not giving him just direct pass to the rim. Uh, other guys have to make shots. And, and you know what? 
they they didn't. They didn't. You know, Bogdanovich and, and even Clarkson, you know, I mean, they had off-night shooting, which they may not have had those at home. But, but certainly uh, they, they had them in, in L.A. And so sometimes even though the schemes are good, uh, they, they work even better when you're at home than they do on the road. You think you can find a way to get Gobert involved more offensively? Obviously, he's not a big focal point, but maybe if they can find a way to get him closer to 20, that can help their cause. You know, it's, it's interesting because he, he, it seems that they defer, and, and you've watched him play a lot more than I have, but, I mean, I've never seen the guy post up. I mean, he, does, he seldom does that. And, and, I, and I know he's critical to all the ball screen action, but it, it seems like you can have a big little – you could have a little screen on the big – Get slip them in there, and uh, you know they're not going to. You know they may switch or double him if he gets a catch, but yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be any real action from him. He gets what he gets from rebounds and from slips on screens and those kinds of things, uh, or in transition, you know, at the rim. But I, I do believe. I mean, he's seen, he's been in the league long enough. I'm sure he's got a skill set down there that uh, you could put a little pressure on a team. You know, the Lakers are playing small. And I mean, they're playing. You know, I mean, Zubac gets he's getting minutes, but they're they're starting Batum. I mean, they're 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 all about six seven six eight. Why not try to get him into the low post and maybe some screen action for him, guard you know, little on big, and uh, see if you can get him another six or eight points. Because I'm sure. I mean, once he gets around the rim, he's pretty crafty. And but there's, I just haven't seen much of that action watching. The Jazz ever with Gobert? I mean, he kind of gets what he gets in the flow of the game, and if he doesn't, he still impacts the game because he, you know, he defends the rim so well and he and he rebounds so well. But I, I agree, it, he there's probably some things you could do uh, five, six, eight times a game where you, you run some quick hitters coming out of timeouts and get the ball to Gobert down low because nobody else is really posting up. Uh, he did do it early in his career, and they used to give him like a couple possessions in the first quarter, usually in the first three to four minutes. And uh, the math on that it didn't go very well. So they've they've gone away from it all of this season, and uh, really haven't gone back. How to long it. ago was that that they did La- that last, when he first got into the league? Uh, before the, in the last year or two. No, it was uh, up until the pandemic stopped everything. Okay. So I, I think they did it early last season for the. They certainly did it two seasons ago, and I think they did it last year before the pandemic stopped everything. But you know, you know it's dog years, so that feels like seven years ago now. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, the thing, thing about it is this: is that I, I mean, you, you you've got a game plan, and and, and you've got all the action that you run, but all the dead ball timeouts, those kind, you know, there's a lot of those in the game where you can initially go into him. And, and see if you get something out of timeouts or with dead ball situations or out of free throw situations. Um, because you know, that's, that's some easy points. I mean, I, you, I, they may just double him. You know, you, let's say you take a smaller guard that comes over and cross screens or down screens for him. He curls, comes off of it, or just getting into the post. And I, don't, I haven't watched him enough to know if he's good over his left shoulder or good over his – he's probably, probably better over his right shoulder, but uh, – I, I, I'd have a, you know, four or five things that you could do for him during the course of the game when maybe it's been difficult getting a basket and you want to get in, inside or get another opposing post player in foul trouble. You know, that, that's the thing is that no, normally, you know, bigs get other teams' bigs in foul trouble by going to them. And that's a, you know, there's, a, there's a benefit to them. And especially when, the, you know, the Clippers are starting 
everybody's six seven, six eight. But uh, not not. And they're all athletic enough and physical enough to probably guard him. But I don't know. I I if uh, if I had a team, I had a guy like that. I think that I would use him six or seven times a game where I try maybe coming out of dead balls to get him a quick hitter. If not, you know, you, you run your normal action. But I'm not saying he becomes a central part of their offense. I'm just saying that he could probably score three or four more baskets if some, some things were run for him. Reggie Jackson been shooting real well and has been a little bit of a difference maker here. Uh, they didn't win the one game, but they did in game three. What do you do with the uh, with a player like that who's a role player, but all of a sudden has found his touch as far as the Jazz perspective? How do you handle it? You know, I mean, obviously the Heat's got their full attention now. And uh, you, you think, I mean, I watched the uh, the game before where Pat, you know, Patrick Beverly took two or three. When the game was competitive and tight and he takes two or three shots, and, and Patrick Beverly has a role on that team, but he can't play extended minutes because he can't, he can't score. You know, and if if there's if there's nothing on the line, you know he, he may make an occasional three, but he's he's way better for the Clippers than Patrick Beverly ever was. And and you know, Rajon Rondo is really not even playing either because he has a hard time, more a more difficult time guarding. Rondo is really good offensively, but with Jackson coming in and shooting the ball, he gives him a third scorer, and and that's why that game got away. I mean, you had Batum. And Jackson, Jackson obviously has been playing well, but he had four of those guys all play really well offensively, and that's going to happen at home. I mean, Batum wasn't, you know, he's seven or eight at, you know, in Utah when he plays six or seven points, and here he's 17 and making threes. So uh, I, I do like Jackson, and I think that he, he plays with energy. He's got some toughness to him, uh, you know, because that's been the weakest point of, of the Jazz. Excuse me, of the of the Clippers is that they just their point guard play has been so up and down, and uh, having him there now makes them much more difficult to defend, and it gives them another shooter. And Kennard's, you know, the thing about Kennard is he'll come in and he can score. And obviously, that I think it was the first game they played where they used him in ball screens and just abused him the whole game. And they, I saw where they made that adjustment. They made some adjustments the Clippers did uh, with Kennard and. And because uh, the Jazz are going to always attack him with Don. I mean, first of all, nobody can really guard Donovan Mitchell, no matter who they are. But it, it certainly Kawhi or Paul or others have a better chance of doing that than, than a Luke Kennard. So, you know, they've, they've made some adjustments. The Clippers made some adjustments because they were really vulnerable there. And, uh, and, and Donovan's going to get his. But the, the difference is you make adjustments, and instead of getting 40, he gets 30. And that can be the difference between winning and losing. Are the Nets done? I mean, they were up 2-0 and won by 49 points, and Milwaukee's got playoff failures pretty recently, so it's just easy for me to assume, well, the Bucks are cooked. And now it's 2-2, and Kyrie Irving is hurt with a sprained ankle. Apparently he's in a walking boot on crutches. Uh, ABC and ESPN were reporting that. And the series is 2-2, and Harden's still got a strained hamstring. I, 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 I mean, I don't see how – I mean – Kevin Durant is a special guy, and at home they can probably, you know, they, they do they have home court? They probably have home court advantage, don't they? Over the, the, the Nets do. The Nets have games yeah, five yeah. and seven at home. It's two two. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's their only hope that you know Kevin Durant goes for forty and and they're able to do that. But I I think the Bucks have gotten way more confident. I know I, I will tell you this: it's hard for me to watch Giannis just continually take his five or six or seven threes. 
thinking that, that he's going to develop that game. Man, let's wait till the preseason next year before you start trying to figure that out. And uh, it's just, I, I just don't, I mean, the guy contributes and does so many things, and, and maybe they feel like the coaching staff feels like, well, he's entitled to have a few threes. He does everything else for us. But, man, oh, man, the numbers tell you that that's not a good shot for him right now. And uh, so, I, you know, I like the Bucks winning that thing uh, if, if, if Harden and Kyrie don't come back because, you know, you're in a situation now where, middle, you know, having Middleton and Holiday and Giannis, uh, and, and what, what can you say about Tucker? Uh, man, what a warrior. Funny those two played against you. I've forgotten that. And uh, but I, you know, if those two guys don't come back, the Nets don't the Nets don't win this thing. I mean, they get beat by the Bucks. And uh, but we'll see. I mean, Kevin Durant's capable of carrying the team at home, but um, it doesn't look good. It, it doesn't look good. And and uh, you know, they'll that would be a shame for the Nets, considering the, all the pieces they had in place. But uh, that's the nature of this game. So. If if neither one of those guys come back, I I see the Bucks winning this thing. I think they're going to be more confident, and uh, and, they, and they just got more size and more athleticism than the Nets have. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we will see how this plays out. And talk to you yeah, it'll be, it'll, next it'll week. It'll be right. over. Yes, sir. Hey, you guys have a great week yourselves. Take care. All right. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. All right, Steve Cleveland, next week, PK. We will have a winner. The Western Finals will be set. I actually thought about that this morning, how this week is such an important week in jazz history. I was, you know, you're driving in, you're thinking about what you're going to talk about and all That's, that stuff. It, it, on the surface, the, the immediate reaction is in jazz history. That's overblown, what you said earlier about being the prisoner of the moment and the recency bias. But Justin Zanuck on talking sports, and, and, and I asked him about the evolution of the team, right? Four years ago, you know, they'd had a close call with the playoffs. It was time to push the chips to the middle and bring in the vets, and they did, and they got to the playoffs. And two years ago, after that loss in Houston, they had to have more shooting. They couldn't play three on five. And last year, they had to address the bench, and they didn't wait for the trade deadline. It was an obvious problem, and they brought in Jordan Clarkson, right? So how is it evolving now? What do you see? And he said, we're still getting data points. You can't say now. The things that are going to happen that help shape our decision, some of them have happened, but some of them still have to happen. So, to his point, <laughs> this is the week. You know, guys come through, concepts work, schemes work, players deliver, don't deliver. It's yeah. all there. And if they win it, then that means another, another best four out of seven with the Suns in the conference final, more data points. And what does that tell you? Parade. Please, more data points. <laughs> Parade is le- extremely legitimate if they get through this week. Ooh. It is. Sons, it is, without question. You're in the conference final, especially if the Nets are out. Holy cow. Uh, but you're 0-3 against the Suns, and the Suns are playing their best basketball. You follow it closer than the rest of us because you've got family there. Have the Suns played better this year? No. No, as we spoke of Paul George's confidence as he takes the floor tonight, he should never be more confident same thing with literally every single member of the Suns. Of course, if the Jazz win this but, and then they're playing the Suns, would the Jazz have the most confidence they've had all year? Even which, more which than when they ever. won one out of 20 out of 21. I would think so. So that's a good point, too. So you have confidence versus confidence. It's like you and I in the morning show, confidence versus confidence. <laughs>
but somehow cockiness wins out. Always. Who has that? All hail Jersey! (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you about that. What? Somebody, who was it? Was it, uh, maybe it was... Was it Yach? Somebody said something about that New York. No, it was a caller, I think. The New York, it was a caller. New York mindset. It was Robert. He wants to take the cake. Yes. Is there a difference between the Jersey mindset and the New York mindset? I mean, not to us out here, but to people back there. Did they say there's a difference? Or people just moving back and forth. It's all one metropolitan area. It doesn't matter. It is one metropolitan area on the north side of the state. Right. Uh, but I, I just wonder if, if you said something. Yeah, but see, New York, you deal with those rich folks from Connecticut. Right. New Jersey, we're grinders. <laughs> so it's a different level of cockiness. Okay, but, but Brooklyn's got a different mentality than Manhattan. And my grandmother. Brooklyn's got some grinders, in too. in Brooklyn right. when I was a kid. We would visit her quite often in Brooklyn. And, yeah, I, I identify with the Brooklynites. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to get another golfer. It's the You Win a Golf U.S. Open giveaway. Be caller number 12 right now, and you will be assigned Louis Oosthuizen. There it is. And if Louis wins, you will receive a Callaway staff bag. It's brought to you by You Win to Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Assigning all the top 25 players, and a 26th entrant will get the field. Callaway staff bag is the big prize if your golfer wins. Louie, right now, 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12 at 855-340-ZONE.